Welcome to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. I am your host, Nia Moran. Moms have the power to change the future, one meal at a time. The Plan Simple Meals podcast is for busy moms who want to create a healthier, happier home. Listen in for informative conversations and valuable strategies to make meals healthy, meaningful, and fun. Let's do this. Hello, you guys. Welcome to this episode. I have a fabulous guest on this show who is going to be talking about something a little different but related. And I realized in this interview how much I love getting this, doing these interviews with people who really are talking about things I don't know about. So on this episode, I'm talking with Rachel Pontillo, whose expertise is in natural skin care. And you guys either have to Google her or go to the plansimplemeals.com website and look at her picture in the podcast image because this girl has some good skin. So we want to mimic what she does. And so coincidentally and coolly or whatever you want to say, so much of what she suggests in this episode to put on our skin is, is food. It's like real stuff. And since this interview, I have actually implemented some of these things in my household. And you'll start to hear me asking questions in this episode that are kind of personal. And it's it's working. I'm loving it. And so I'm really excited to do more episodes along this line and around what we're putting in our household and all that kind of stuff. So I hope you guys like this one as much as I did. So coincidentally, this episode is brought to us by Juice Plus which is a supplement, but not really, because supplements aren't really regulated um, and can be filled with things that aren't good for us. But this one is 100% food. It is just fruits and vegetables, and it bridges the gap between the fruits and veggies we get and what our body really needs. And I'm a big believer in this product. My family has been taking it for over eight years, and you can go and find out more at plansimplemeals.com slash juice. And there's no product that I am more happy to be representing this episode because one of the number one things that people say when they take this product over a period of time is that their skin starts glowing. So it feels like the perfect, per- perfect product to be representing this episode. So one more announcement before we jump in is that I am going to be running a challenge for the month of July. I don't think you'll want to miss this one. It's really good, really action-oriented, and it is going to change both your summer and how you eventually transfer into fall which that change of season can be really hard for some of us who've had some relaxing moments in the summer and then all of a sudden it's school. And this challenge is all about our calendars and getting dates in our calendars that actually make it possible for us to make some of these healthy changes. Because over and over and over, what I hear is that, Mia, I don't have enough time. And I used to be like, oh, come on, we can all make time. But the truth is, is that for many of us, when we look at our calendars, there literally is no time to make some of these healthy changes that we're wanting to make because we have filled our days with other things. And though we share a lot of useful tips to make all this faster. If you're going to have home-cooked meals and you're going to cook fresh food, it does take a little bit of time and we have to honor that 
and lean into that and really have fun with that. And it all becomes more possible when we actually have those spaces in our calendar to make it happen. So that is what the challenge is gonna be about. Each prompt is gonna literally take you minutes and by the end of it, you're just gonna be wowed by how much space you've made in your life, or at least that's the plan. So you can sign up for the free challenge by going to plansimplemeals.com slash calendar. And you will get, you will sign up and each day for the month of July, you will get prompts and we will talk, be talking about it over on Facebook. And I cannot wait to see who shows up. All right, you guys, I want to dive into this content, though, because it's so good. And hopefully I'll see a lot of you guys in that challenge. So today I have Rachel Pontillo on the line, and she is a best-selling author of the book Love Your Skin, Love Yourself and co-author of The Sauce Code. She's an AADP and IAHC board certified international health coach, licensed, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this word, at aesthetician how do you say that aesthetician and natural skincare formulator and educator she's the president and co-founder of the nutritional aesthetics alliance and creator of the popular skincare and healthy lifestyle blog holistically hot as well as the six-week online course that's called create your skincare She's a busy lady, and she's an avid herbalist, self-professed skincare ingredient junkie, and lifelong learner. And of course, she's also a mama. So welcome to the show. And it's really funny because I always, always, always have like this pre-banter with everyone. And we're recording this kind of at a weird time in both of our days. So I am always like, I double check even my good friends. Like, just let me say your name out loud. So I go to say Pontillo, and I'm hoping I pronounced that right, did I? Yes, you did. Okay, yay. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Mia. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. So it's cool because I feel like we're going to, we'll definitely talk about food because I know that you think that that's also an important part of of your skin. But mm-hmm. I love that we're also going to touch on other things because I feel like a lot of times we clean up our food and then we forget about other stuff. Um, And sort of skincare and shampoo and all those kinds of things were sort of a big aha for me in more recent years when I was like, you know, I'm taking such good care of myself with what I put in my body. And then like, what, why, why am I buying that? You know, like, and just not knowing like how to even read those labels of what's in stuff. Yeah, I think there's as much, um, you know, when you first start transitioning to a healthy lifestyle with food and you start reading labels and then you kind of go through that initial shock, like, oh my God, they actually put that in food and that's allowed, ah, you know, yeah. it, and then you, then you learn more and then you learn, okay, well, this is what I can buy that has a label. This is what I should buy that does not have a label because it's real food and I should cook and this and that, and this is how I make that work. But it, it's funny because a lot of people have a lot of, um, beef with the FDA and with the USDA for various reasons when we talk about food. Mm-hmm. But with cosmetics, it's even harder because even though the FDA does have some involvement when it comes to claims that people can make on labels and when it comes to safety, um, there's no organization regulating cosmetics 
or herbal supplements or dietary supplements, but cosmetics, which really encompasses your skincare, your makeup, your shampoo, your deodorant, any anything that is um, intended to beautify or improve the overall appearance of the body, of the skin, of the hair, mm-hmm. of the body that does not have any health claims. So you're not claiming to cure a disease of the skin. You're not claiming to, um, for something for the hair. If you have like dandruff, dandruff or something that would still be dandruff is a disease technically. So that would be a health claim. So a shampoo would be intended to improve the appearance of, but not treat it there. it, It gets really gray area because it's a gray area because there is no one saying you can't, you can't put that on that label. And they are starting to say certain things about what you can and can't say on labels, but they're not really saying very much yet about um, you can't put that ingredient in that product because it's toxic. And that's difficult because in a lot of the products that are supposed to be more holistic or natural, if you purchase them under the assumption that because it has, I don't know, a green leaf on the label or... It says organic or natural or free from yada, yada, yada on the bottle, then it must be great. So you, you, you can buy it. But then if you take it home and you cross check it against one of those online ingredient databases and then you find out that, oh, well, that's rated a six and that's I wouldn't want to put that on my skin or wow, that can cause cancer. or Hey, that's a neurotoxin. Wow, that's an endocrine disruptor. It's it's all of these things that. I feel like with food, there is a little bit more progress in terms of awareness and in terms of change being made. But in cosmetics, because we don't have the FDA, the National Organic Program does not exist really in cosmetics. It's still kind of a free-for-all in a lot of ways. So there's really um, a lot of distrust that's starting to happen once people start to realize that what they thought was good for their skin and their bodies is really not necessarily, and there's no, I shouldn't say no one, but there's very little being done from the regulatory standpoint to make that not happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, for me personally, and for a lot of my students, that's why I make my own because I subscribe to the same idea that what you put, you should know exactly what goes into your food. Your food goes to nourish every cell in your body, including your skin cells. But the skin does absorb a good amount of what we apply topically. And we know that's true because if it wasn't true, then the pharmaceutical industry would not be making transdermal medications. Right. And it's interesting. The the whole, the, this all, you know, and I feel like, you know, I was shopping, since my food switchover, you know, if I was getting shampoo and stuff, like, I feel like I haven't been to a drugstore in a long time since we got ourselves off of all the medications and that kind of stuff, which is part of my story. But, so, but I was still, you know, I would go to like the health foods market or whole foods or whatever and get shampoo and cream. And I I didn't, it was the same thing. Like I saw that leaf or that organic and I was like, it's okay. And my big aha was just a couple of years ago because we have a, a pretty serious gluten allergy in our house. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea it was in all those things. <laughs> and we, like, she was, I was like, I'm being so careful with the food. Like, what could still be making her sick? And so then I started looking at the labels. And the second I started looking at the labels, I was able to figure out what didn't have gluten in it. But then I just started getting overwhelmed by 
all the words because they're kind of hard to, you know, even the very natural things. It's like, what's that? You know, it is, it can be, it, it is really challenging because we, I'm sure you've heard the idea that if you, if you can't pronounce it, you shouldn't use it, but there's plenty of people who can't pronounce Latin botanical names. And right. that doesn't, that doesn't mean they're bad. It simply means it's in a different language. But there also are many skincare ingredients that are plant-derived that are still approved for use in the majority of the organizations internationally that do semi-oversee organic products. Mm. So just because something has a chemical-sounding name, it doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. It simply means it's a molecule. And everything in our bodies the air we breathe, the water we drink, that's all molecules too. I mean, it sounds just as sciencey as anything else. It's just that we go by common names. So it, it doesn't mean that all chemicals are bad. There's no such thing as chemical free skincare because then it wouldn't have water or anything else in it. Everything is a chemical, but there is certainly a difference between toxicants and safer ingredients or non-toxic ingredients. And um, that's something that I really try to communicate with my audience is what's, what's actually going to be problematic and what's not. And how do you transition? So in my, in my private coaching practice, I work with a lot of people who, who are just trying to do better. They're, they're transitioning, they're replacing products one at a time, or sometimes they might want to do just the mass overhaul and they get the big garbage can and they're like, Oh, I'm just doing the dump. And then they go shopping, you know, wherever, wherever you're at, that's, that's great. You can either go little by little and start with replacing the very next product that you run out of with something healthier. But really what I want to, what I want to teach people, and, um, I'm sure you talk about this too, Mia, is that we, we have to get away from kind of this dogma with what's the perfect way to do things because sometimes, especially when we're first getting started, especially if we are busy moms and we have kids and we have other people in the house that are either eating these foods or using these products and we get caught up in this, oh my God, this is what it has to look like. And then we can't find that at the store where we think we find it and then we find that it's not. That sets us back mm. and it, it, it can be disappointing because we feel like we've worked so hard and then, oh my God, I did it wrong there's a lot of self-sabotage that can happen in that moment. So I really um, try to recommend to people that whether it's food or skincare or both, any, any type of movement into a healthier lifestyle is good movement. You're doing it right. Right. Totally. And always going to be an opportunity to do it better depend on, depending on who you talk to. And you're never going to be, it's never going to be absolutely perfect. It's always going to be a process. So I always encourage people to be really gentle with themselves and really, you know, pat yourself on the back when you find something that's safer and you like it. Great. And then next time, if you notice, Hey, it has this ingredient that I don't love. Okay. Well, next time you go shopping, look for something that has something else. So will you tell us, so I would love to get into a couple easy things we can make eventually. And it's funny because we skipped totally over your family, which we're going to loop back to too. We jumped right <laughs> into the work. So, but, um, what's, what, what is a good resource if you're, we're like, well, how do we even know what's safe? You know, so, so if you're going to, if the store we're at doesn't dictate whether it's safe or not, like how do we look at a label and be like, okay, this is good. This is better than what I have. 
Yeah. So here's a couple of rules of thumb that I use. Now, I mean, you can certainly use an ingredient database like the EWG's Skin Deep, where there's an app called Think Dirty. There's also an organization that I've recently partnered with called MadeSafe.org, and they're coming out with a list of their own. Um, so these are some resources that you can definitely consult with. Um, but what I recommend, these are, so th these are things that I tend to look for when I'm shopping. I don't like gigantic ingredient lists. I don't want to have to look at an ingredient label and then feel like I need to get out a magnifying glass because the print is so tiny to fit in all of that text. I like to see, I like to see Latin botanical names. Absolutely. But I don't like to see 30 Latin botanical names because that in itself, too many ingredients can cause a problem, even if they're healthy ingredients. Okay. There are still allergies and sensitivities that can happen. And if you're not, if you've never used something before, if you've never used herbal skincare before and you don't know how you're going to react to it, I really suggest keeping it simple. So, so looking for products that contain fewer ingredients and definitely more natural ingredients, but fewer ingredients is, is a great place to start. I recommend absolutely avoiding the word fragrance or perfume or parfum, the French version of perfume on a label, because that, that, what that says is that the, any fragrance or scent that's in the product is synthetic. And the number one cause of skin and respiratory allergies and irritant reactions is synthetic fragrances. And that's because synthetic fragrances are made up to made with up to 900, maybe even more um, different individual chemical constituents, none of which will ever be on a label, many of which we know are carcinogenic and in other ways toxic, and many of which can be allergens. But it's not something that you can say, okay, I'm allergic to this, so I'm going to avoid this because if it's under the word fragrance, you'll never know what's in there. And that's not something that's required to be disclosed because it's either protected by trade secret or it's in the product at less than 1%, which means it doesn't have to show up on a label. Got it. And then my other thing is that I really try to tell people that I, I know preservative-free is a really popular kind of ask when people are shopping for skincare these days because of the controversies with parabens. But if you're using a product that contains water or any aqueous substance, anything with living plant matter, it has to contain a preservative. Otherwise, it is going to spoil and that can cause problems with your health, with your skin, with your eyes as well. So there are a lot of different natural preservatives that are being used. Um, there's not one that I could say, oh, look for this preservative because preservation is a tricky topic. But I would say the ones that I still tell people to avoid are anything ending in paraben and phenoxyethanol. That's one that I see used a lot to replace parabens, but it's one that is known to be fairly irritant to the eye area. And I'm still not sold that it's safe. I, I have, I've had this prediction for the last couple of years that it's going to be the next paraben. And a couple of the chemists that I've talked to kind of agree with me. It's just not published yet. So I would say avoid that one too. Um, ones that you can look for, potassium sorbate, 
Sodium benzoate is one that is used in combination in small amounts that is better than some of the other ones. Ethyl hexoglycerin is another one. Um, lucidal, if you see the word lucidal, that's one. It's um, actually a ferment of red radish root, which is interesting. We're starting to do more with bioferments. Those are some advancements that are being made. But really the thing is, phenoxyethanol, I'm not a huge fan. Um, anything that ends in, I, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but it's like, in a, you know, I'm going to even say it wrong. I, you know, I can't even say it. It's like nitazole or something. Oh, and then DMDM hydantoin is another one. These are formaldehyde releasers. We want to avoid those too. Well, the, um, the ones that we can have are interesting though, because, yeah. you know, they, you wouldn't necessarily read those as, as the, I feel like with food, it's like, if you can't pronounce it, don't get it. But clearly that's not really the rule. You have to, you have to be a better detective with yeah. skincare and know a little you bit do. more about what words are okay. You do. And you know, that the other thing that I want to tell people is that you, you don't have to, you don't have to go that route. You can, you can make your own. Um, you can also use things like oils, essential oils, herbs, where you, you know exactly what's going into it. And a lot of people ask me, you know, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't, that takes forever. I don't have time for that. Well, I have two kids. I have two businesses. My kids do ballet nine to 12 hours a week. We're very busy. We're just as busy as anyone else. And I, I, I make it happen. Yeah. So it's, it's absolutely possible. And so let, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Well, first of all, let's go back a little bit. Tell us who, how old are your kids? I have a 12-year-old and an almost 10-year-old, two girls. Awesome. And I, I know from knowing you that they do a lot of ballet, so that's awesome and definitely time-consuming. And don't you homeschool one, or is that my imagination? Yes. My younger daughter is home. We, we do cyber school, but um, it's really neat. Her cyber school program does allow for a ton of flexibility and interest-based learning. So it's almost like a hybrid between cyber schooling and traditional homeschooling. So we, we really do have a lot of control mm -hmm. over her schedule, which is great, which we need. And also if there's something that she's really into and she wants to have the time to explore that, I can simply just send an email to her teacher and be like, Hey, she's really into this right now. Is there some way we can apply this to science or to whatever? And, um, usually the answer is yes, she can get extra credit in some way or she can substitute out one of her lessons. Oh, interesting. And is, is that make more space for ballet? Is that the reason behind it or there's more? There's more to it. She was having some issues in regular school with um, feeling like she couldn't get her questions answered from teachers and also having a difficult time relating to kids in her class. Mm -hmm. I always say she's a very old soul in a very little body mm -hmm. and she does well. She does better with adults than mm -hmm. she does with kids. And she also is someone who got overwhelmed kind of in loud environments and overstimulated. And, um, if she was into something being distracted by having to move on to something before she was ready was really annoying for her. So she just needed to kind of do things her way for part of it. But when it came to things like socialization, it needed to be just taken down a bit in a more in a way that was more interest based rather than, hey, you're all the same age. Let's throw you in a room together. Yeah, um, it's, it's so interesting. Um, I, you know that I've taken my kids out of school for the year yeah. and it's so 
it's just so amazing to see like when you take a break from what you're used to and like what you think you're supposed to do just how much space it open it, it actually makes time to make skincare <laughs> like it's funny I thought I'd be so much more busy um but time is just a little bit different it's in, it's it's been an amazing life lesson and we're seeing who's going back and who's not but it's totally a choice so I love that yeah, I, I think what you hit on there, it's a choice, is the biggest thing. I think it's really empowering for children to know that it's a choice. Yeah. I have a friend who's, um, she has three children. One is, it, they're, they're, uh, two of them are in cyber now, but we were talking for next year. One of them is going to remain in cyber. One is going to go to, br to brick and mortar. And then the other one is going to be, is going to do unschooling. Wow. So yeah, she's got like three kids with three very different desires, but they've each tried the different things. So wherever they're at has been their choice. And her daughter who's in brick and mortar, the teachers are all very impressed with her and they're like, wow, she actually wants to be here. And my friend, her mom said, well, yeah, it's because she does want to be here because yeah. it's her choice. And she also knows she has the choice to leave. And yeah that just really moved me because children don't have a lot of choices in life. And I'm not saying that children should be able to decide everything for themselves because obviously they don't always know what's best for themselves and it's our job to guide them. But providing those safe containers that they can have some level of choice and realize, okay, I'm not trapped here. Because think about it, as adults, we're taught that if we don't like something in our lives, and we don't take action to change it, well then shut up, don't complain, right? Yeah. But children traditionally don't have that choice. They're told what to do, where to do it, when to do it, how to do it, who to do it with. Yeah. And if they don't like it, they can't say anything, otherwise, oh, you're misbehaving. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like we that safe container part is really important, especially with food, um, just because they need that in order. Like, I feel like you need that in order to get out of the, I'm controlling this situation. I feel like education is different because that's, you know, they're older when they're thinking about, you know, they're a five-year-old's not going to be dictating that. But, right. but with food, you know, there's a control issue that's always involved. So I feel like you need that a little bit of structure. And then once you have the structure, then you can start to like really understand why a child isn't liking broccoli and it might be as simple as a textural thing you know and you can start yeah. to play detective um so I, I love that and and I'm finding and I also find and I think we have a fair amount of entrepreneurial people who listen to this podcast as well as stay-at-home moms and I feel like school what I realize is even like private schools that are very specific to what they're teaching are made for corporate people yeah. you know so it's like on that schedule so I've met so many people this year just around town who are homeschooling in the times that we've been home and it's like sometimes it's as stuck as it is when you're in school and, and people just realizing like oh but really what I wanted to do was be more free um, and it's really cool what you can do like how time is different that's the biggest aha for me it's like my kids are asleep till 10 sometimes because they yeah. need more rest and you know one of them does everything in the morning to get it done and then some, one of mine really likes to ease into it and move their body in the morning and then they sit down and do work later like you know so it's like we all have these rhythms that we yeah. have to figure out 
I've noticed that too. And it was a bit of a transition for us because I do still have my older daughter in regular school. So we tried to fit in as much as we can during her school hours. Right. There are times that it just does not happen. Yeah. And sometimes we are doing work together in the evenings. Sometimes we're doing work together on the weekends, Mm -hmm. but that's okay because we're still having more ease in our schedule at other times of the day. There are some like I'm like right now, I don't know if you can hear in the background, but it is thundering right now. Oh my God. It is like so dark outside and it's raining and it's thundering and she has a very light day today on her schedule. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, that's perfect because it's not really an energetic feeling kind of day. So yesterday she had a really um, packed schedule and then, but it was a different day. If, if, if that was switched and she had to do it that way, I, I would not see all that getting done today. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. I'm, I'm driving your way today. Goodness gracious. Into thunderstorms. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. So let's get back to, let's get back to skincare for a minute. And will you just, will you, so what are the things that you make? I mean, I know you're making stuff and teaching people how to make everything, yeah. but like in a family, what do you think are, you know, two or three things that are really beneficial to make? Yeah. So I really think it's helpful to know how to make different kinds of oil blends. I know that essential oils are really popular these days, um, and I will throw in the caveat that it's really important to know how to use them safely. Too many people out there these days are overusing and misusing them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I And I know a lot of moms do sell them, which is great because I'm, I'm all about supporting moms making money however they need to make money. And if they're doing it in a healthy way that benefits their kids and benefits their communities, it's fabulous. But essential oils are really strong. Yeah. So I recommend diluting them and I recommend making carrier oils your friends. And carrier oils are plant-based oils that are typically extracted or pressed from the seeds or the pits of the plant. Um, So something like a grapeseed oil or olive oil, um, even coconut oil, jojoba oil. These are all things to kind of have in your pantry, in your kitchen pantry, but also in kind of your skincare pantry. Mm -hmm. And they can be used in a multitude of ways. They can be used to cleanse the skin, to remove makeup. They can be used, um, if you do use essential oils for your family, they can be used as a safe carrier oil for topical application of the essential oils. They can also be used as a facial moisturizer. I also recommend keeping some rose water and witch hazel on hand. Mixing those together are great for just a simple toner. I have um, a tween age daughter, my, well actually almost two of them because my younger one's almost 10, but my older daughter is uh, 12 and she's starting to have to have a proper skincare routine to keep her skin looking good. So, you know, I've made her a very simple oil cleanser and a simple toner. And then she just has a little moisturizer that is just another blend of different carrier oils, really simple, nothing like crazy. It's, it's nothing, nothing that you have to order from like a chemistry supplier or anything like that. You can get a lot of this stuff at Whole Foods or a health food store. Um, and then different, face masks. So this is really fun. This is a way you can involve food 
as well. I'm a big proponent of the smoothie mask. Mm. So I like recommending to people to take a smoothie, whether it's a fruit smoothie or a green smoothie or a combination of the two and pour a little bit in like one of those little Pyrex prep bowls. And then you can buy powdered clay and you can add the powdered clay to the actual smoothie and apply that to the skin for 15 minutes as a face mask. And you oh, can- I love that. Yeah, and then and then you can drink the smoothie while your mask is on your face. And that is like the easiest way to make a really nice face mask for yourself that costs little to nothing, doesn't require any um, fancy ingredients. It's literally what you have in your refrigerator and then have some powdered clay that you can either buy from an herb supplier online or you can get at some health food stores. Mix them up until you get the consistency you like and then apply it. Keep it on for 15 minutes and do, I, I recommend to people to do that like once a week and it can be really fun. And why do you do a clay? Will you explain why clay sure. is helpful? Yeah. So clay is really beneficial because it helps to draw out any garbage, well, not garbage, but dirt, debris, um, dead skin cells that are ready to come off but haven't quite sloughed off yet. Um, if you have clogged pores, if you're prone to blackheads, if you wear makeup and um, you want to just make sure that the makeup is off, the clay is really good for absorbing. We also do um, store toxins in the fat cells under our skin, and the clay can help to bring those to the surface. It won't happen all in one time, but with repeated use, if you use it like once a week, adding the clay to the smoothie, the clay helps to draw any of those toxins out through the skin. And then the phytonutrients that are in the smoothies, all of those wonderful vitamins and minerals, essential fatty acids and antioxidants, they then go to nourish the skin topically. And you can reconstitute you can either um, just reconstitute it with the smoothie itself, so mix it with the clay until you get a texture you like, or what you can also do is add a carrier oil to it so that it doesn't dry, it stays wet on the skin, and that kind of helps, the, the oil helps with the nutrient delivery because a lot of those vitamins and nutrients are fat-soluble, and the skin has a lipid matrix on the surface, which is meant to keep things out. But if you're applying oils, it actually helps with that bioavailability of those nutrients because the oil kind of carries the nutrients in through the oils of the skin. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. And then going back to your first suggestion of how explaining what you do with your daughter. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that's cool that you said it's time for her to have a face care like routine. Yeah. So I, it's funny. I don't know that it's, I'm, I'm just right now, I have a 13 year old boy. So I think boys think a little bit more about a face care routine, a little less about a face care routine, so to speak, than a girl, except yeah. we're dealing with all those things like, you know, at, like acne and those kinds sure. of things start to happen at 13. So it's interesting that like, that's just a habit that it's kind of our job to instill in our kids. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of how I got into this because I, I got into what I do all really because of acne and then the food part came because I gained weight after my second pregnancy. But what I noticed is when I changed my diet to lose the baby weight, my skin cleared up. Mm-hmm. So that's how I first made that connection and then everything else kind of took off from there. But I remember when I was writing my first book, 
love your skin, love yourself. I wrote in there, you know, my kids are not going to deal with what I dealt with when I was a teenager, not on my watch. And then a couple of years later, my daughter's starting to get little bumps and little blackheads. I'm like, no, no, you're making me a hypocrite right now. No. But I mean, honestly, I can't make her do things. So it has to be easy and she has to buy in. So when she helps to make the things and choose the oils, that helps with the buy-in. Just like when kids are, when you want kids to eat certain things, involving them in the shopping and the food prep process absolutely helps them buy in and want to eat it. It's the same with the skincare. Um, so she helps to pick the oils. She helps to blend it. She has um, a toner blend that she likes in particular. And then, um, but there are times that like, Sometimes she just wants to wash her face with raw honey. And that's, oh my gosh, that sounds cool. <laughs> really effective. People don't realize that. It's it's probably the if if unless you're a vegan, if you're a vegan then obviously honey's not going to be for you. But if you're not a vegan, I recommend having raw honey in your house at all times. It has so many different purposes. For the skin, it's so beneficial because it has pretty much everything you need for healthy skin. It has enzymes, which helps the skin gently exfoliate. It's a humectant, which means it brings moisture into the skin. It is great for cleansing and it won't dry the skin or strip its natural moisture because it's actually adding moisture back into the skin. It does have an emollient benefit, which means that it does leave kind of a moisturizing protective layer after you wash it off. And even though honey is really sticky, it melts off with warm water, so it's actually really easy to remove. Oh, that's so, funny because I was like, I can't. I'm just trying to imagine like it all sticking, <laughs> oh, sticking yeah. to my face, but, yeah, it, no, but it washes off nicely. Interesting. When you put it on, it's sticky, but after after you when you just put take like a warm washcloth, it just melts right off, and it feels so good, and your skin feels so good after that. But it does also have naturally antimicrobial properties, which can be beneficial for young teens who are trying to keep acne under control. Mm. So that for boys actually could be really helpful because uh, for many boys, you're not going to find them being as interested as you in using oils and essential oils that smell like flowers on yes. their right? <laughs> yeah. But honey might just be a really easy substitute that is really effective and really user-friendly. All right. I love that. Okay. So, so you wash your face with honey and then what do you need to do after? After that, then you can use a toner if you choose to. I like to mix rose water with witch hazel. Yep. It's a really simple blend. Um, and then I use an oil serum. My, my daughter uses an oil serum as a moisturizer. And um, she uses mostly just jojoba oil because that's one that is not as likely to clog the pores, which is so important, obviously, for somebody her age. And it also – it doesn't have like any – it doesn't have any like harsh odor or anything like that. It's also really shelf stable. So you don't have to worry about refrigerating it or adding anything to it. It'll, it'll stay good for a long period of time. So, um, yeah. I love that. And, and oils, and it's funny cause it's like when you ha see that you're like, don't you, you feel the instinct or I feel the instinct of not to moisturize it. So it's good to know that good oils are fine and non clogging. Yeah. There's an oil for everyone. Everyone has a different, unique body chemistry. And on your skin, even though overall human beings have a common 
set of essential fatty acids that make up that lipid matrix on the surface of the skin, it does vary because our skin is a direct result of what we put into our bodies, as you know. So what is happening on the surface changes literally day to day with the, with the types of food that we're taking in, with how much sleep we're having, with how hydrated we are. All of that affects those lipids and the other um, factors that exist on the surface of the skin. But also, depending on our genetic makeup, depending on the climate we live in, that also differs. So some oils will work for some people, but not for other people. And even oils that are supposed to be for a certain skin type might not work for everyone who has similar skin characteristics because of bioindividuality, similar to how certain foods are supposed to be healthy, but they're not healthy for every person. Mm. It's, it's exactly the same thing with skin ingredients. I love it. I love it. It's funny. It's like, it sounds more complicated to make, but I have a feeling it's similar to food that once you do it, it actually like, it almost seems simpler. It really um, is. And once you get in, just get into the habit of it, just like you would with food. Like for me, I only have to make products for myself once every two or three months. Yeah. And it takes less than an hour. So tell us one one tip. Let's and then I want to move into food. But tell us one mama skin tip. Like what for? I feel like I'm like my skin. I'm getting old, <laughs> even though oh I'm not God. that old. <laughs> well, I think the mama skin tip really is to pay attention to it. Yeah. To love it. The biggest mistake I see a lot of moms making, especially moms who you know we're not getting younger. Um, we're, we're all getting older. That's, that's life. <laughs> but when we're, when we're looking at our skin, when we're applying our products, it's really important that we do so with love. Yeah. Not like, Oh, I hate this. I'm going to scrub it away. Or, Oh my gosh, I wish I didn't have this. Uh, when we're infusing negative energy into our skincare practice, that does not help with getting results we want. Even if we don't necessarily love the skin we see looking back at us in the mirror, well, the skin doesn't look back, but you know what I mean. If, you, if we don't love what we see in the reflection, that doesn't mean that we should be nasty to it. Yeah. One of the people that I interviewed for my book, her name's Christine, Christina Rilo. She's the- um, Oh, I love her. Oh, she's great, right? Yeah. She's the queen of self-love. And I know that what she says is treat yourself how you would treat- your, your best friend when you were a child. And I do a lot of spiritual work with women's spirituality. And there's a huge component of inner child work and inner child healing. So when you're looking at yourself in the mirror and when you're doing your skincare regimen, imagine that you are taking care of the skin of your child self. Mm. If you could look back at yourself when you were 10 or 11 years old and maybe your skin was starting to do weird things, how would you want to care for that child's skin? Would you, would you do it with, oh my God, let's, let's pop that, let's zap that, let's scrub that? Or would you do it in a more loving and compassionate way? Yeah. I, we really have to remind ourselves to be compassionate with ourselves. Well, and I'm thinking that there's probably people listening who are like skincare regime and I, like... 
I feel like it's funny. It's one of those things. And I'm like the big self-care person. Um, And so I, we talk a lot in our world about, you know, the morning routine and, you know, how to get that green smoothie in. And now we can add it to our mask, which is so cool. Um, And, you know, I do oil pulling every morning. I have a whole ritual that I do every morning, but I have to admit that that skincare ritual, like sometimes it's like, I'll have makeup on in the day and I'll just like conk out, you know, and forget to take it off. And so I've been a lot more conscious about that nighttime routine lately um, Mm -hmm. and realizing that, you know, that that's just as important, needs to be just as important to me as my morning routine. But I'm sure there's people listening who are like, who, you know, I barely have time to take a shower or brush my teeth. Like, you know, I totally that. I would say if you had to prioritize a nighttime ritual versus a morning ritual, I would say prioritize the nighttime ritual because your skin is exposed to a lot more toxicants during the day because you're out and about, you're more exposed to different forms of air pollution and you tend to just accumulate more on your skin throughout the day. Whereas throughout the night, you're in your bedroom, you're on your pillow you're not, you're resting, you're healing, you're rejuvenating. So when you wake up in the morning, what, what I do, I wash, I just wash my face with water in the morning and then I spritz with my rose water toner and put my oil on and it takes like a minute, mm-hmm. literally. But then at night, especially if I, cause you know, I do, I do a lot with video in my business. I do a lot of, um, webinars. I'm on camera a lot. I have a full face of makeup on quite frequently. And it's funny because I used to love wearing makeup and now it's just part of the job. So I love taking my makeup off at the end of the day. It's like, Oh, I feel free. Um, do you make your own makeup that I don't do yet? What's your favorite brand? Well, I have a couple of, I have a couple of favorites, but first of all, why I don't make the makeup is because I just don't have time for that rabbit hole. I think I would never come out because I would have too much fun. (laughs) Um, but there's, so I like this brand called new evolution cosmetics Okay, they make a really nice, um, and, and they're non-toxic as well. They make a really nice foundation that looks good on camera and, um, a mascara. They still have some ingredients that I don't love, but that's something that I'm finding with a lot of makeup. You still kind of have to compromise. It's not yep. perfect, which is why I don't wear it as much as I used to. I really only wear it when I'm doing stuff for work, but in my day-to-day life, I don't wear it anymore, really. Got it. Um, then there's this brand of lipstick I love called Axiology. Mm-hmm. And then there's this blush that I love called Antonym Organics. Cool. I love yes. that. And they're all available um, online. Yeah, I love, I love, it's, I am having the same camera issue. Um, yep. And the and gluten was a big thing. Like, I was like, how does, like, every foundation, it's really hard to find a gluten-free oh, foundation. Yeah. Um, So interesting. So we're going to wrap it up soon because we I could talk to you for, like, hours and hours. This is fascinating to me because it's <laughs> something I don't know that much about. But so just quickly, what, like, just tell, like, food did make a difference. Like, that was your first step, it sounds like, and we didn't it really was- even go there. But like, what about like, what were the, the three biggest, you know, quick things about your changing your food that really you notice immediately in your face? Yeah. So I think the green smoothies were really like my saving grace because I'm not going to lie. I really didn't do much with fruits and vegetables before. Like I would have a salad here and there, but I would not cook vegetables. I just wouldn't do it. And hold on. I'm going to cough. <coughs> 
Sorry. No worries. Okay. Oh, thank goodness for editing. (laughs) Um, yeah. So fruits and vegetables, I wasn't, it's not that I didn't like them. I just didn't really think very much about them. I didn't have a strong opinion about them either way. If they happen to be on my plate, if somebody was cooking for me or if I was ordering them, I would eat them. But when it came to raw fruits and vegetables, it would either just be a quickly thrown together salad or if I happened to be at a party or something where there was a platter with like carrots and celery and cauliflower and broccoli and hummus or something, that that was the extent of my vegetable eating. So green smoothies really helped me get more vegetables into my diet every single day. Yep. And that I think really made a huge difference. Um, not to be TMI or anything, but I was having some digestive issues, which were, you know, not allowing me to eliminate properly. Right. And by adding that fiber and also the natural hydration that comes from the smoothies, because all of those foods are very hydrating, that in itself started making a change very quickly. And if you're not eliminating properly through, you know, going to the bathroom, then your skin has to take on that burden because the skin is also a detoxifying organ. So if you have a skin condition and you're not eliminating properly, your skin is possibly reacting to the fact that it's got to work that much harder to detoxify. So that can absolutely show up on the surface of the skin. That's so interesting. I love that. Uh, That's that in itself, I feel like is a huge tip for everyone to hear because that's my story and the story that literally pediatricians would look at me and like, I feel like it's a little bit more of a mainstream thought now. But when my daughter was little, and we were trying to figure out her food, one of her major things was she had this entire body full of very hurdy eczema. And we took out dairy and three days later, it was all gone. And it's funny, I never associated it with the elimination part, which was also part of the issue. But you know, we took out dairy and you know, her body started working better. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. And you mentioned that. dairy. That's something that I changed as well. Dairy just did not work for me. Yeah. And um, it also did not work for my older daughter. My older daughter had severe casein allergy and um, lactose problems when she was a baby. I, when I was nursing her, I couldn't eat any dairy. That yep. the pediatrician told me because she had such bad reflux. But she also had the baby acne for much longer than was normal. She also had some eczema. So dairy was a problem for her. For me, I also noticed a gluten sensitivity. It's not an outright allergy. It's not celiac, but my body just doesn't like it if I have too much of it. And it's funny because it's really the, it's, it's not so much the gluten for me as it is the glyphosate, because when I eat gluten in Italy, if I have a bowl of pasta there, I don't react the same way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because when I was there, I was there a year ago and the amount of pasta that I ate, <laughs> I, first of all, I should have gained 20 pounds. I only gained five. Yeah. And I should have been bloated and feeling lousy and fully, my skin should have broken out and it didn't. So of course I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, 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 I've outgrown it. Well, I, when I came back, I went out to dinner I ordered a bowl of pasta within minutes. I was congested. I was bloated and I needed a nap. Wow. And yeah. I woke up with pimples. Yeah. It's crazy. And that, yeah. that's the experience I, that, that nap thing. That's the experience that I have. 
total brain I need to, I need to go to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I love that. So cool. Then, yeah. Yep. Oh, and then just also I have to talk about sugar. And yes. Nobody wants to hear about it because people, you know, people like their sugar. We talk but a lot about that here, though. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, though, because when I work with clients, a lot of people get more upset about having to give up cheese than they do have about having to give up sugar. Yeah. I think that's because there are so many different types of natural sugars and natural sweeteners out there now that are making it a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Um but in my book, I write about what I call the skin trigger trifecta, and that's gluten, sugar, and dairy. And for me, reducing those was a huge change. It made a huge change in my skin, but also in how I felt and how I looked. So I would say definitely reducing or eliminating those three if, if you're having a problem, um, and then adding the green smoothies. And I also did add fermented foods to my diet. Yep. That's funny. Your story is very similar to mine. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's like that. That is my trifecta too. And green, I think I've had a green smoothie almost every morning for like at least seven years. It's life changing. It is, and it's funny because you don't realize it's working until you stop doing it. Yeah. Like if, if I'm traveling or something and I can't get a smoothie, I feel it. I really feel it, and my body's like, "Oh my god, what are you doing to me? Where's my smoothie?" Yeah, I'm so grateful actually that they're becoming more and more popular because I find now as you travel, like there's actually a chance. Yeah, it, there really is. Yeah, you can even Whereas find I, a not so fresh alternative at Starbucks, <laughs> but it's still green. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so let's tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Okay. Well, there's a couple of different ways you can get a hold of me. My main website is rachelpontillo.com, and it's Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, Pontillo, P-O-N-T-I-L-L-O.com. You can find my blog there. I have, I think we're at about 700 different articles now that you can look up. Um, if you have something interested that you're interested in searching for, you can just type it into the search, and it'll anything I've ever written about it will come up ton of resources on there. Um, I also have, if, if you're somebody who is interested in transitioning to natural skincare, but you're not necessarily ready to make your own yet, I have a checklist on there that you can download. That is 12 questions to ask your beauty brand, um, really to, you know, is it as natural as it is, as it yep. seems. So that's, that's something that you can download on there. If you are interested in getting started with learning to make your own product and you want some really quick and simple ones to start with, I have a free skincare class. It's a series of just five emails and you get um, a little web portal that you can log into where there's some PDFs that you can download with ingredient re resources and charts and stuff like that to help you pick the right ingredients for yourself. And then you make two really simple products. It's called Boutique Skincare Basics. And that is um, available at createyourskincare.com slash free hyphen class. Okay, we'll link that up in the show notes too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I want to do the whole shebang. I feel like that's like, this is going to be Mia's summer camp. <laughs> I would love me. I love Mia's summer camp. I would love to do the whole shebang. But yeah, I have on createyourskincare.com. Definitely want to take that free class. It really is an excellent basic foundation for all of this. And I really want people, the, the whole point for me doing that is to show you that you really, you really can do this. You really do have time for it. 
it's not rocket science. It's not lengthy and time consuming. You don't have to have a chemistry background. If you can cook, you can make skincare. It's cool. I love it. Um, all right. So now I have one question that I ask everyone. So you get to answer it now. So tell us about a meal that had an impact on you, whether it was the food, the company or some aha you had while at the table. Oh my goodness. I've had a lot of aha moments at the table. (laughs) Um, that's a tough one. I think like, can I be, do I have to be like super specific about it or can I be general about like a type of food? Yeah. Okay. So anybody who knows me personally knows that I could live on soup all day, every day for the rest of my life, no matter what time of year it is. I love that. For me, I think like soup have saved my life, like health wise. I'm, I've always been a chicken soup kind of person, but just learning to make different soups, always having something in the crock pot and having a variety already made in my refrigerator so that on the nights that we don't get home until almost 8.30, I already have something made that I can just heat up. Mm. So I always, I like to have either a bone broth or a vat of chicken soup already made. I do that on the weekends or, um, I do a lot with lentils and beans and, um, I like to just always have at least two different types of soup because I've, I've learned just a lot more about soup and not like for me, it was always a comfort thing cause I like warm things and I just grew up on chicken soup, but there's so much nutrition in the broth. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel like if you are overcooking vegetables or cooking them for a long time, that the vegetables don't have the nutrition anymore, but those nutrients go into the broth. Yep. And I remember even when I was in nutrition school, uh, one of the teachers was saying, after you, after, you, um, after you cook your vegetables, if you're steaming vegetables, use the water from the vegetables in your broth because those nutrients are still there. So I've really gotten more into broth. My kids don't like traditional breakfasts. They're not going to have cereal. They're not going to have eggs. They're not going to have pancakes or waffles or any of that. We, They just don't like breakfast food. And honestly, I don't really like breakfast food either. So we'll have a cup of soup for breakfast. I love that. And it, it's, it's, just, it's just been great. But it's, it's been important to have a variety. Otherwise, you get kind of in a rut. Yep. But I would say for me as a busy mom – but also as someone who just likes warm, comforting things, soup has been like everything for me. I love that story. That's awesome. Cool. Um, cool. And I'll, I'll link up. We actually have a soup making guide. So I'll link that up in the show notes oh, of this episode cool. too. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I, we, I, we went really long and it was so much fun because I just, I learned so much. So I'm hoping everyone listening learned a lot too. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my gosh, you guys. I loved that conversation with Rachel so much. It's really fun to have somebody on the podcast who's focused on our healthy lifestyle in a little bit of a different way than we're we're usually talking about because we're usually talking about food and meals. And I know we touched on that stuff too, but I love just the understanding that there's so many different aspects of our life that can make us healthier. And, oh, that was just so fun. It makes me want to talk to more skincare people and people who know about home products and all that kind of stuff because I just feel like 
there's not to overwhelm us, but there's so many little things that we can do in our life to really make our lives healthier and happier. So as you guys know, in this portion of the podcast, what we do is we go through three different doable changes that came up in the interview. So I'm super big on this concept of picking a doable change and playing with it for a week, just one. So I'm always giving you guys lots of ideas, but not because I want you to make this whole long to-do list and do them all at once, but because I want you to pick the one that really, really resonates with you and that you can play with for the week and that will really impact your life. And if you do this every week for a whole year, you have more habits in your life than you possibly knew were possible and would work. Whereas I've also tried putting everything on my to-do list at once and at the end of those years, not much has moved. So that's why I love this. And there are some things that end up on my, that I play with for week after week, or I give them a break and they come up again. An example for me of this one is drinking my water. That ends up being something that I have to experiment and play with a lot because it's a, it's a habit that's hard for me. I don't know why. So you can go to plansimplemeals.com slash 101 and download 101 ideas for different doable changes that you might implement in your week. But I want to pull three different ones from this episode. And actually, the first one does appear on my 101 list. And I love when people reiterate that this has made an impact on their life. So the first doable change that I wanted to point out from Rachel's episode is to start the day with a green smoothie. This is a simple one, you guys. Seven days starting with a green smoothie. See how it makes you feel. And Rachel and I both do this. She loves her green smoothies because they both add fiber to her diet and hydration. And both of those things help with elimination, which also helps with her glow. So I always actually love knowing what's behind that because green smoothies have literally changed my life. Um, but it's always good to know that they've changed someone else's too and I'm not the only one. So there's so many good reasons to really love and try a good smoothie, to love smoothies and try to make them for a week. So what I would challenge anyone who this really speaks to is just to try it. You know, see if it changes your skin as it did for Rachel. See if it makes you feel better. See if it makes everything move through your body in a different way. See if you can make it so that you really love it. So a lot of people give up on green smoothies because they make one that they don't like, but just keep playing. There's, there's, you know, we have a lot of recipes on our site. You can Google good recipes and find one that you really love because they can really make some great changes. And as you're hearing this, if you live in most places in the U.S., it's an amazing time to get fresh greens, which makes green smoothies even better. So that was the first doable change, and I'm gonna, I might push that one this week. I hope everyone tries that. So buy or make one product. So this is a fun one, a fun challenge from Rachel to us. And I love that she says that you don't have to get rid of everything that you use at once. So if you're feeling after listening to this episode like the cabinets are full of crap, it's, she's not telling us to go throw it all out. 
She's just telling us to choose one or asking us to choose one, maybe one that you're running out of or one that you're like particularly thinking, this isn't really even working. You know, I'm using this soap and I still have bumps on my face or I'm using this cream and it always kinds of stings. You know, what is that thing that you could make or try something better, a better version? She gave us that hint that maybe we don't go from, you know, drugstore to making it. Maybe we go from drugstore to good um, and try that for a week. So that this one is really exciting to me. Actually, since we recorded this, I did try the washing your face with raw honey one. And oh my God, you guys, I can't even believe that works, but it does. So we really need to listen to this gal because she's got some good insights. So the third doable change that she changed that she changes that she shares in this episode is to give yourself credit. So this is big. But Rachel points out that any change toward a healthy lifestyle takes time and involves sometimes lots of choices. So we can't get hung up on whether we're doing it all right. And we have to give ourselves credit for the changes we're making. So if you're just starting out with me this week, this might not be your first doable change. But especially if you've been around for a while and you've really been practicing this concept, this is a great one to try for a week because we don't always give ourselves credit. And especially at this time of year, you know, it's summer. Our kids are either out of school or just about to finish school. It's a time when, you know, everything's shifting in our schedules and it can feel a little bit overwhelming at a time when it's supposed to feel relaxing. And I'm right there with you. And so just giving ourselves credit. And a fun thing that I have done, I have experimented with in doing this for a week, is just to set an alarm on my phone or have it be the last thing I do before bed or sometimes even the first thing in the morning or setting alarm in the middle of the day. I actually, I found was the most effective for me. And when that alarm goes off, I just think back to the past few hours and I think of something I've done amazing because as a mom, usually there's something we've done amazing, yet we get hung up on the thing we said a little bit wrong in the supermarket to our child who was acting out or the thing we wished we had a framed a, different, a little bit differently to our spouse. We get hung up on all these little things or, you know, the, the cookie we wished we hadn't eaten when we were at the barbecue. But we forget about all the little things that we are doing right. So this is awesome. And if you can either, you know, you don't always have to document them. And I think Rachel shared that in this episode. Um, but you could document them if you're a writing person. It's just a simple journal entry, like two sentences, or just simply set that alarm and recall it. What a great practice for a week. It will shift things that you don't even know need to be shifted. So three great doable changes from this episode that I'm a big fan of. Start the day with a green smoothie buy or make one product um, and give yourself credit for all the amazing things you're doing. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, can't wait to hear what everyone is implementing. Make sure to come over to the Plan Simple Meals Facebook page 
and share any of the things that are really working. I love to hear that. Um, you can post and share publicly. You can message me. And I, although I'm not the best at checking that, I'm trying to get into a better habit around that. That's one of my doable changes around my business. Um, and I just love to hear when everyone's having little and big successes. All right, you guys, I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Meals podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Plan Simple Meals podcast. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share Plan Simple Meals with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. I absolutely love sharing simple solutions to help busy families eat clean and live well. Visit HealthyMomsMeetup.com and come join in on the fun. In our free group, you can chat with me and other health-seeking moms, get new recipes and tips, and never be at a loss in the kitchen again. Come join the fun at HealthyMomsMeetup.com. I cannot wait to meet you there.